Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Um, I also want to acknowledge and just welcome Brother Steve's, uh, Steve Burns' family. I know that they're here, especially his children. Welcome. It's so good to see you guys. And I just want to uh, take a little pause because I know a lot of you guys have been asking, what's the update? What's going on? When are we going to have the service? We, we don't know for certain yet. We're kind of hoping uh, we're shooting for the first Saturday in February. So, so pencil that in. Um, I, I, now, I'm not putting anything in stone. I'm just giving you a ballpark idea. Um, so we're hoping to do that. Um, if you would be so kind as to help us raise the funds uh, to be able to, 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 to give Brother Steve a, a proper celebration, a proper uh, goodbye. Um, the family, together with Melissa, did create a GoFundMe page. Um, you could do that. You could sell. You could do, I forget what the other one is. What's the other one? Venmo, PayPal. If you want to put it in an envelope and give it to them today, you could do that. Um, Steve was very generous with, uh, with us all the time, and I, th- I don't believe it's a burden for us to be able to do that. Amen? Um, so if you could do that, today would be a good day to do that. Uh, pencil in February 3rd. We're going to throw a big party for Brother Steve, and uh, uh, we're going to have a wonderful time um, remembering all that he meant for us. Amen? All right. Well, today being the first Sunday of the year, uh, you know, every year, I, I love New Year's. Um, I've been asking a few people, hey, have you made any resolutions? And I find that the majority of people do not. You know, they, they, they don't see a reason to. And perhaps, uh, I think the biggest reason is that we often set goals or resolutions. And by February 2nd, they're gone or the latest. Uh, you know, within a few weeks, uh, we've stopped doing them. But I believe that every new year, provides an opportunity of new possibilities, of new victories, of new blessings. And I see, and I want to challenge you to see the new year, the beginning of the new year, as a starting point, a fresh start to go after your goals, to go after your dreams, to go after the desires that God has put in your heart. And uh, the last two days I've been sharing that that by faith, we got to believe that 2024 is going to be a great year. It's going to be a blessed year. It's going to be a glorious year. It's going to be a year where we're going to see God move in a good way and in a powerful way. Are you with me? Amen. And that's exactly what I want to talk to you about today. So we're going to pray and then we'll jump into today's message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wonderful presence in this place. We thank you because Lord, The air that we breathe is because of you. You are the giver and sustainer of life. And Lord, I am a strong believer that if we have breath, it's because you are not done with us. There are purposes, there are plans, there's a calling, there's an anointing still over our lives that we are to fulfill and walk in. So Lord, I don't know how everyone walked in. I don't know what their attitude towards 2024 is. 
But I pray that today, that today you would do something in us to open our spiritual eyes, to believe for something better, to awaken our spiritual desire to walk with you more intimately. We pray that in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Well, not only does every new year provide us an opportunity to do something different, to do something better, not only is it a door to go after our goals and our dreams, but I think perhaps the one thing that also challenges us at the beginning of the year is that with the new year, we are also confronted with the realization that there needs to be improvement in our lives. That not everything in our life is working or at the place where it needs to be. And that some growth is necessary. That some changes are necessary. That doing things differently is necessary. And yes, a new year provides good opportunities. Fresh opportunities. But it also confronts us with the reality of what's not working in our life that needs improvement. And it is with that in mind that today, I want to start a series that we've titled Reset. Because we believe that at the beginning of the year, it's a good opportunity to do a reset in our lives. You know, when something isn't working properly, what do you do? You reset it. I remember I had a phone that wasn't working, kept getting stuck. It was just horrible. So I resetted it and I went and I got an iPhone. The Android people got it, but they didn't want to laugh. <laughs> right? When your computer gets stuck or it freezes, what do you do? You reset it. You don't throw it away. What do you do? You reset it. Now, let me define what reset is so that we are in the same mindset. And you can fill this out in your outline. To reset is to make a fresh new start. To begin again. When things aren't working, when life is stuck, you reset it. You know, I love, uh, uh, I love the Nike running app. Uh, I think by now you know that I enjoy running and uh, I love using the Nike app. And a, a few years back, I found out that they have training courses on the app for free. And there's a coach that you can listen as you're running and they set up different runs and so forth. And I really, really enjoy it. Uh, a few weeks back, uh, a little bit before Christmas, I went on a 20-mile run. And uh, I was excited to do it. And uh, I walked away from that run, not just glad that I had done it, but it did something to me that uh, helped me to have a different approach towards this series. It was at, at about mile 10 when the coach through the year said to me, all right, let's do a reset. Let's check your chin. Let's check your eyes. Let's check the posture of your shoulders and your arms. Let's check how relaxed your arms are. And if you need to do a reset, do a reset. Because after 10 miles, your chin can drop, your shoulders can tighten, and your legs can get heavy. So let's do a reset. Let's, let's, we're in the middle of the run, but, but let's, let's start again. And I thought that was pretty cool. But it got even better. Because then at mile 15, right, five miles from finishing the run, at mile 15, he came back and he said, we got to do another reset. But this time, we're not just going to check 
your chin. We're not just going to check your shoulders. We're not just going to check your arms. We're not just going to check your posture and running. But this time, we're going to do a mental reset. Because you're at mile 15, and by now, you're probably tired. So I need you to shift your mind and tell yourself that you're not at mile 15, but that you're at mile one. That you're just starting. You're not tired. You're fresh. You're just starting. And let me tell you, when you do those resets mentally, it helps. And see, maybe, maybe your marriage isn't working properly. Maybe your parenting need some help. Maybe in your health, things are not going well. Maybe your finances are in trouble. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your spiritual life. Maybe there's areas in your life where you shouldn't just throw it away. You shouldn't give up. You should reset it. Or you should do a reset. And that's what we're going to talk about in this series. But what I want to specifically do is I want to focus on the one area that has the potential to impact every other area. The one area where we got to begin first and do a reset because I believe that we all should and can improve in this one area. Pastor Nestor, what area is that? Well, you should know by now. And that's your relationship with God. Your spiritual habits, to be more specific. When we get God right, we will get everything else right. I love what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 4 8. It's not in your outlines. But here Paul's talking to Timothy and he says, hey, train yourself for godliness. Physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things. Holding a promise not only in this life, but in the life to come. Paul says, when you get God right, everything else will be right, right? So let me ask you a question. How are you and God doing? How's your relationship with God? Can you be honest with yourself? Some of you, you know that if you keep going in the route you're going, you might not be a Christian at the end of this year. Some of you know that, that you've been cold and in the desert and distant and you are more religious than relational when it comes to God. How's your relationship with God doing? Is your heart for God growing or is it shrinking? Is your commitment, your love for God, is it every time becoming more and more passionate and deeply or is it becoming cold and indifferent? How are you and God doing? Let me ask it another way. How close are you to God? How close? Can you hear him whisper or does he have to shout through pain for you to get the message that he's trying to relay to you? How are you and God doing? Because see, here's the thing. Everything in our lives begins and ends with God. Everything, and we forget that. We think it be, everything begins and ends with money or everything ends and begins with our kids or everything begins and ends with our looks. No, 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 no. The one thing that can make all the difference, it's God. And everything begins and ends with God. And if you believe that's true, well, well, well then let me give you a quote that, that I thought was pretty cool. The better and deeper your relationship with God is, the better and greater your year will be. 
the better and deeper your relationship with God is, the better and greater, not just your year, let me switch it for a different word, everything else will be. The closer you are to God, the better your finances will be. The closer you are to God, the better parent you'll be. The closer you are to God, the more success you'll have in your your business. The closer you are to God, the healthier you will be. Because the better and deeper, listen, our relationship, not our thoughts towards God. Not just our desires towards God. Our relationship, the greater and deeper, the better everything else will be. Can I prove that to you? Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 6, If you're a church person, you know this. And maybe you say, well, okay, couldn't you find another verse? Well, until we get this verse right, I don't think we should move on from it. Matthew 6, Jesus speaking. And by the way, let me give you the context. In it, he's talking about what people worry. They worry about what they'll lead, what they'll wear, uh, their lives, the roof over their head, their hair, essential needs. And it is within this context that Jesus says, do not worry about these things. And in fact, he uses a little bit of a stronger language. He says, it is unbelievers who are concerned with these kinds of things, but not you. And look at what he tells us. He says, but seek what? First, not second, not third, but what? First. First is not if it's not raining. First is not if there isn't a football game going on. First is not if I'm not tired. First is not if I have to work. If it's not first, it's not first. Ooh, I knew it was going to get quiet in here. It's one of my favorite African-American preachers says, if you can't say amen, say ouch. But seek what? First, his kingdom and what? His righteousness. And look at this beauty. Look, look, look at the beauty of this. And all these things will be what? Will be given to you as well. So here's a question. Here's a really good question. How do we seek God? How do we put God first? How? How do we strengthen our relationship with God? Simple. You ready for this? This is going to be worth the the price of admission. We don't charge you for coming in. It's a figure of speech. But we are going to charge you to go out, okay? No, I'm just playing. How? How do we seek God? How do we put God first? How do we deepen our relationship with God? You ready for this? Habits. Your disciplines. It's your habits. The old saying says, that you form, you choose your habits, and then your habits what? Form and shape you. You get to choose your habits, and then those habits shape who you are. Your health, it's the result of your habits. The quality of your marriage, it's the result of your habits. Your parenting style, It's the result of your habits. You are getting what you have been putting in because you choose your habits and then your habits make you. So if you want to strengthen, if you want to draw closer to God, if you want the quality of your relationship with God to deepen, that won't come by your good intentions. 
or your good desires. Come on. If it was through intentions and desires, this thing would be a whole different thing, wouldn't it? I mean, who doesn't want to have a good marriage? Who doesn't want to be close to God? But it's not the thoughts or intentions. It is the result of your habits. If you're going to get closer to God, if you're going to make God first, if you are going to put God above everything else, it begins with your habits. To be more specifically, what we call spiritual habits. And in this series, I want us to relook at some of these habits and to be able to say, okay, I want to work on them. And that is going to be my commitment to you. I am going to not just tell you what they are, but I want to help you do them. And we're going to have to get creative in how we do this so that we can reset these areas in our lives. Are you with me? So today I want to talk to you about the first habit. And the first spiritual habit that we need to reset in 2024, if you want to put God first, if you want to seek God, if you want to draw closer, if you want to know him more intimately, if you want to walk more consistently, because see, come on, some of us, our problem is that we get really close to God for a while, but then we what? We're not consistent, right? We go through some hardship and we're at church all the time. And pastor, why don't we have services all day? But then things kind of mellow out and we don't even see you on Sundays for weeks. So if you want your walk to be more consistent, if you want to know God, let me tell you, one of the most beautiful things that as Christians we can develop is to know and hear the voice of God. Amen. To know when God is talking to us. No, that's not my wife. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. No, that's not my suegra. That is God speaking to me. No, that's not my stomach. That's not, that, that, that's not the burrito I ate last night. That's God talking to me. See, these things don't happen by good intentions and good desires. They happen as the result of habits. And if you want that to be true, the first spiritual habit that we need to reset is the spiritual habit of fasting. It's the spiritual habit of fasting. Let me define what fasting is because we are beginning our fast today. You can fill this out in your outline. Fasting is an exercise is an exercise of consecration. To fast is to consecrate yourself, to put yourself aside, to dedicate yourself for a specific purpose or a specific person. When you got married, you consecrated yourself to your spouse. You made a commitment that you weren't going to flirt. Well, that you weren't going to look that you weren't going to scroll. Come on, somebody. Right? That your eyes, that your heart, that your attention was going to be for only who? Your spouse. Right? So when we fast, by the way, Nathan, uh, uh, we, I, I've mentioned past that I love going to Costco and he likes coming to Costco with me. He's like a little mini me and uh, there's a, a girl at Costco that flirts with him. She flirts with him. And, uh, and uh, I told her, hey, no, and we, and we were, we, we like making fun of him and uh, 
uh, we tell him that he's got a girlfriend at Costco. <laughs> and uh, this week, you know what he said? He told her, you know, Mom, Dad talks to girls at Costco. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, he talks to girls at Costco. And I think Lorena asked him, when? When does he talk to When he gives them the receipt, he talks to them. I was like, come on, dude. That's not being flirtatious. That's being just, you know, kind and thank you, thank you. But I just thought it was funny. Um, but fasting, fasting is an exercise of consecration. Listen, through fasting, we disconnect from certain foods to be able to connect with God through prayer and his word. And, and, and we need that. Which, by the way, if you, uh, I'm going to give you some general info, but if you're more interested, we did print these little booklets out. Um, the, we, we do want to update them because um, there's a lot more that we've learned. But in them, you'll find everything you need from recipes to what you can eat, what you can eat, um, some places you could go, why we do it, some passages or scriptures. So if you haven't picked one of these up, um, we do have a few of them in the back. If we run out, they are available for download on our website for free. So you can download them and have them in your phone. I always think that that's a lot better. But let me, let me show you a passage. And I want us to look at three things that Jesus taught about fasting. And today I want us to look at Jesus because I don't think anybody would have the courage to argue against Jesus. Amen? Look at what Matthew 6, 16, 17, and 18 says. Right there in your outlines, you can read it along with me. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and, and disveiled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever what? Get. But when you fast, comb your hair. I'm glad you combed your hair. Well, most of you. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face that no one will notice that you are fasting except who? Your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. In this passage, we see three things that Jesus taught about fasting and I wanna show them to you as we do a reset in our fasting. Number one, the first thing Jesus teaches and you can fill this out in your outline is that when it comes to fasting, fasting has to be strategically we have to fast strategically. Look at what he says in the first part of verse 16. He says, and when you fast. He doesn't say if you fast, but he says when you fast. Jesus believed that fasting was important. And if it was important, it needed to be strategic. Now, let me tell you once again, desires are not strategic. Thoughts are not strategic. Good intentions are not strategic. You know what's strategic? Habits. Something becomes strategic. Something begins to settle down when you make it a habit. Because habits are the strategics that lead you to the actions that you want to accomplish. And Jesus said, when you fast, that implies that he expects you and wants you and commands you to fast. 
You know what that means? That means that every single Christian ought to fast. Not just pastors, not just super religious people, not just full paid staff in the church, every believer. So let me tell you, if your faith is in Jesus, you got no excuse not to fast other than that you simply don't want to. You can come up with, well, it's because my work schedule. Well, Jesus would never ask us to do something that it was impossible to do. You may not be able to fast like everybody else, but we can all and we should all what? Fast. By the way, fasting is one of the habits that we should first do as Christians. It should be one of our first responses, not something that we do when it's an extreme. The Bible shows us that great men and women of God, the first thing they did was to fast. Moses fasted for 40 days and 40 nights before he saw the glory of the Lord and received the Ten Commandments. Esther fasted when her people needed a miracle because if if God didn't come through, her people and her would perish. Ezra, Ezra felt a heavy weight over the conditions of the wall in Jerusalem. But before he went to the king, before he went and did anything, the first thing he did was to fast. When Daniel was taken from his land and brought into the palace of Nebuchadnezzar and he was put into a different situation and he was commanded to do things as Nebuchadnezzar wanted, what he did was fast. Jesus, the son of God, God himself, before beginning his ministry, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Before he launched his ministry, before he gave his preachings, he fasted. So let me ask you a question. Are you better than Ezra? Are you better than Jesus? Are you more godly than Moses? So if they fasted, shouldn't we also fast? So if we're going to reset fasting, the first thing we got to do is fast. You know, before you start dating, you ought to fast. Might save you some big headaches. It might save you some money because you may be wasting your time. You should fast. Before you get engaged, you should fast. Before you start a business, before you apply for a new job, you ought to fast and you ought to pray. Before every big issue, you ought to fast. If you need a miracle, the first thing you should do is fast. If you need to know God's will, the first thing you should do is fast. If you need a breakthrough, the first thing you should do is fast. Fast should be the first thing that we do because it's an act of consecration. And that's why we want to start the year fasting. That's why every year for the last 14 years, we have begun our year fasting because we don't know what awaits us in this year. But I know who can hold us regardless of what awaits us this year. And I don't want to wait till I'm in the storm to get to know God and believe that God can do something for me. I want to do it at the beginning of the year. So I want to ask you a question. Will you fast with us? In your bulletin, we uh, placed this insert and it's two parts. The top part, I want to ask you for a written commitment, not for me, but for you. 
Because I think something happens when we sign something, when we take physical action into something. And I want to challenge you to commit to fasting for the next 21 days. Put your name, check out that box. Tell us one prayer petition, just one, just one, okay? You say, Pastor, I got more. Hang on, I'll get there. Just one. Give us your biggest one that we can pray for. And over the next 21 days, I will be praying for you as your pastor. But let's take the first lesson of Jesus. And he said, when you fast. But I didn't prepare, Pastor. Well, you still got time. Amen? So would you fill that out? Cut it in the middle. Um, you might have to do the whole saliva thing. And, um, and then we'll collect those at the end. So the first thing Jesus taught about fasting is that we need to fast strategically. The second thing Jesus taught about fasting was that we needed to fast with the right motivation. We need the right motivation. I'm a big believer of asking why. Why do we do what we do? Why? Why do we have to go there? Why are we doing this? And look at what Jesus says uh, in verses 16 through 18. He says, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable in this veil so that people will admire them for their fasting. What was the motivation that, that the Pharisees and the hypocrites fasted? So that other people would applaud them. So that other people would think good of them. And Jesus says, that's the wrong motivation. He says, I tell you the truth. That is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face then no one will notice that you are fasting except who? God. Because our fasting is unto who? God. Our fasting is to get us closer to who? God. Who knows what you do in private. Fasting is a very powerful tool, and we'll see that in just a minute. But it's important that we have the right attitude as we use this tool. Because hear me out, some of you, you fasted before and you said, Pastor, nothing happened. God didn't move, I didn't get closer, nothing happened. Well, my question for you would be, did you have the right motivation? Did you have the right attitude? Did you have the right approach? Because if you fast, but you don't have the right attitude, you may not get the reward that you're looking for. So we need to have the right attitude. So to help you have the right attitude, let me tell you what fasting is not. And you can fill this out in your outline. Number one, it's the biggest one. Fasting is not a diet. Going on a diet is a good idea. About a month and a half ago, I got a, I got a, a physical trainer to help me to uh, work on my, on my health. And uh, the number one thing he said is you got to watch your calories going in and your calories going out. And going on a diet is not a bad idea. But fasting is not the same as going on a diet. Although you will experience weight loss, that is not the goal. That is not the focus. So let me tell you something. If you're going to fast and the first thing you do in the morning is go to the weight and you spend more time looking at the weight than you do looking at God's word, you have the wrong motivation. Losing weight is a secondary effect of fasting, but it's not the primary. I love this quote. A diet changes the way you look. Fasting changes the way you see. A diet changes the way you look. 
But fasting changes the way you see because you're closer to God. You sense God. You, you, you have the heart of God. You get the mind of God. So the first thing fasting is not, if you're going to do this because you want to fit into that tiny dress, wrong motivation. Second thing, fasting is not. Fasting is not a hunger strike. Fasting is not a hunger strike. Hear me out very clearly. Because you fast, God is not obligated to do what you want him to do. God will not owe you anything at the end of the fast. But God, I fasted. Where's my $100,000 raise? God, I fasted. Why hasn't this knucklehead changed? It's not, fasting is not a hunger strike. It does not mean that God is obligated to bless our plans. What fasting does is that it aligns us to God's plans for us. You know, God, I wanted to make money this year, but I think what you want me to do is to become a better parent this year. The third thing that fasting is not, and this is important, the fasting is not a punishment, okay? Fasting is not about punishing yourself for your sins or your bad behavior or your poor choices. The, the price of the payment for those things is not fasting, but it was at the cross. Jesus paid for that already. Fasting is not so that God will love you and accept you, he already does. He already does. So don't do this because, well, you know, maybe if I punish myself, God would be more pleased with me. No, that's not what fasting is. And then the last thing fasting is not is that fasting is not a religious legalism. Okay? Fasting is not so that you can feel superior to others. Listen, I'm really hoping that all of you fast. And that's what my pastoral heart tells me but what my fleshly mind tells me is that not all of you are going to fast that some of you are going to be eating cheeseburgers while we are not (laughs) some of you will continue to come to church with your starbucks cup when you shouldn't and when you see somebody doing that that is not right for you to feel above them You are not, we are not better than anyone that doesn't fast. Okay, it doesn't make us more super Christian. It doesn't make us holier. Okay, don't don't, don't turn fasting into some legalistic religious attitude. Because that doesn't please the Lord. Now, if you just thought that I gave you permission not to fast, you heard me wrong. Because I saw some faces there. Your little light bulb went on up there. Oh, okay. So so if fasting is not, then what is fasting? Well, let me tell you what fasting is. You can fill this out. Fasting is an invitation to receive more of God. Fasting is an invitation to receive more of his peace, to receive more of his joy, to receive more of his power, to receive more of his goodness, to see him more clearly, to sense him more clearly, to be able to desire him more deeply. That's what fasting is. Fasting is taking that physical hunger that you feel and you say there's a bigger and more deeper hunger and that is my hunger for God. When you fast, you are positioning yourself to receive more from God. The second thing that fasting is, fasting is disconnecting from the world to focus on our relationship with God. 
fasting, and this is where the distinction between a diet and fasting becomes, if you abstain yourself from certain foods, but you're not spending time in prayer and in the word, you're, you're dieting. So one of the things that we have done is also on your way out, I didn't bring them up here with me, we have some booklets to help you have devotionals. In fact, one of the things I want to challenge you to do is to pick an hour. And in fact, pick it right now. Write it on your outline. Pick an hour, 6 a.m., 7 p.m., 10 p.m. I don't know what the best time for you, but pick an hour where you're going to spend anywhere between 50, at least 15 minutes in the presence of God talking to him. Because fasting is about disconnecting from the world to, connect, to be able to connect with God. If you're a family, we have some family devotionals that we want to invite you to do. At dinner time, when you get together, read the passage, ask the questions, say the prayers, spend time drawing together to God as a family. The third thing that fasting is, it's that it's an instrument to awaken our spiritual sensibility. This is one of the things that I love about the fast. That when you fast, and don't be surprised if it happens. When you're fasting, you'll be driving in your car, listening to a worship song, and suddenly tears will, won't, you won't be able to hold back your tears. I remember one occasion, I know this is going to sound kind of funny, but I'm not trying to be um, improper. In one occasion during the fast, I remember I was showering, and I suddenly just sensed a huge peace from God. There was just a peace that came over me because when we're fasting, we become more sensitive to the presence of God. Your wife will want to argue with you and suddenly you will have the self-control to not argue back. Your husband will leave his chonies in the floor and ladies, you will have the love and courage to pick them up and put them in the hamper and not create a problem. You'll become more sensitive to the fruit of the Spirit. You'll become more loving of the people that annoy you. You'll read the Word of God and suddenly, oh, I had never seen that there. Because when you fast, your spirit becomes awakened. See, some of you, your spirit is dead. That's why you don't see a need to come to church. That's why you don't see a need to serve. That's why you can go without praying and not feel anything. That's why you haven't opened your Bible in a long time and you don't feel a need because your spirit is dead. And through fasting, you can awaken it. And you can fall in love with God again like you did at first. The last thing that fasting is, fasting is a sacrifice that produces wonderful results. Fasting is not a punishment, but it is a sacrifice. Let me tell you something. You ready for this? And this is not a discouragement. This is just a warning. Fasting is hard. It's difficult. Because when the lonchera comes and everybody's going for their burritos, you got to bring out your vegetables. It's hard. It will cost you. It will hurt you. But let me ask you this. You think it'll hurt you more than when Jesus hung on the cross for you? Fasting is a sacrifice. And you'll feel it in your physical body. You're going to get headaches, especially if you're used to coffee. Some of you, you, you love coffee more than you love Jesus. <laughs> but Jesus is going to break that bondage this 21 days. Because you can't start your day without your coffee when you shouldn't be able to start your day without Jesus. The first few days, your head's going to hurt. 
especially, like I said, if you're used to coffee and soda and sugar. And by the way, can I just say this? I, I, I want to say it very lovingly because I've seen people do it. Pastor, I'm doing the fast except for coffee. Well, then don't do the fast. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. Because if your husband said, I'm going to be faithful to you, except for one day a year. (laughs) Come on, somebody. I know some of you just crossed me out of your Christmas uh, gift list. It's all right. But listen, your back's going to hurt. Your muscles are going to ache. You're going to feel tired. You're going to have a hard time concentrating. And it's going to be hard to be around People go to birthday parties where they're eating burgers and tacos and pupusas. But you say, no, I can't and I won't. And I want to encourage you to have the courage to stick to the plan even when others are not. We have gone to parties where we've celebrated the birthday party but not been able to eat. Why? Why would you do that? Well, that leads me to the last lesson that Jesus taught. And that is that when we fast, we need to fast with expectation. We need to fast with expectation. The last part of that passage, look at what Jesus says. He says, and your father who sees everything will what? Where do you worry? We have such a good God that when you put him first, he gives you everything else. When you line up and you said God is first, then God blesses everything else. Listen, for almost 14 years, or a little bit over 14 years, my wife and I, we've began our year in fasting. Have we had marital problems? Yes, we have, but we're still married. In 14 years, we've always fasted. Have we had financial needs? Yes, we have, but God has always been faithful. In fact, every year, in spite of the pandemic, in spite of the things that have happened, we have been able to continue to add to our savings. Have we had problems? Yes, but our problems have not destroyed us. And I attribute that to the fact that we have began every year by putting God first. Because see, walking with God doesn't mean you don't have problems, but what it means is that your problems won't destroy you. And in the last 14 years, I've seen people that that have refused to fast, but they're no longer along the way pursuing God and walking with God. Because when you fast, God will reward you. God will take care of you. God will bless you. See, some of you are wondering, God, why aren't you doing anything in my life? And God is saying, well, I'm waiting for you to position yourself so that I can reward you. Because God is not interested in raising spoiled children. Can I say that again? God is not interested in raising spoiled children. If you haven't dealt with sin, if you haven't developed your spiritual habits, if you're not pursuing him, but you want him to give you the world, he's going to make you a spoiled person. He's not in the business of raising spoiled children, but raising godly children. So, When others are eating or you're tempted to cheat, don't. Because know that God will reward you. That what you bring before the Lord, he's such a good God that although he is not obligated to, he very likely will. See, and that's what I want you to understand. 
There's a difference between understanding that God has to do it and that God wants to do it. God doesn't have to do anything for us, but he wants to. And what fasting does is that it positions us to be able to receive God's blessing. So here's what I want to ask you. Where do you want to see God's blessings in your life? Fast with anticipation. Every year we take a specific thing that we make the big thing and we fast for that. Going back to the insert that we gave you, the bottom part. That's where I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to write. If you only got one, that's fine. If you got five, that's fine. If you got more than five, God help you. But I want to invite you, before you leave today and you begin your fast, that you would say, here's what I'm bringing before the Lord. Here's my motivation. Here's my reason for fasting. Can I help you a little bit? What if you prayed and believed for God to bless your personal life? Whether that is you need to go back to school, you want to start a business, you want to buy your house. Anybody want to get their own house? Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's to get a promotion. Maybe it's to find a job that you enjoyed and that where you get paid well. What about asking the Lord to, to bless you in your personal life? What about also setting a spiritual goal and saying, God, help me to break this addiction. It's been too long that I've had this addiction and I believe that you can break it. God, help me to become a student of your word. Or here's a good one. God, help me to be faithful on Sundays. Help me so that the cobijas don't get stuck on me on Sundays. Or Lord, help me to be generous. Help me to be faithful in my tithing and in my giving. Another area, a third area where you can ask the Lord to bless you is in your relational life. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's the relationship with one of your kids. Maybe it's the relationship with your in-laws. Maybe it's a relationship at work. Or maybe you're single and you're asking God, God, send me a spouse. Send me a godly spouse. Not just a good-looking spouse, but a godly spouse. Why not? I don't know if I've told you this, but before I married Lorena, up to the day of our wedding, I kept asking God, God, if I'm not the one you have for her and she's not the one you have for me, don't let this happen. And he didn't stop it. So now when we get upset, there's no thinking about going anywhere because I know that we're the ones God had for each other. And that's the assurance that comes when you seek God. Or here's another area. What about in the area of what we could call evangelism? We all know somebody, we have somebody who needs Jesus. Maybe that's our parents, our kids. Maybe it's a coworker, a brother. Wouldn't you love to see somebody you know come to Jesus this year? How wonderful would it be? You know, I, I, I want to address this. I know if you get here early, those of you that get here on time, you see my, my family, with especially the little ones, jumping around up here and making a mess. And I'm okay with that. Because I'd rather have my family inside the church than not at church. And it's so wonderful to be able to sit next to your spouse and your kids in the house of God. Wouldn't you want that? Well, what if you fasted for that and said, Lord, I know my husband's stubborn, but if somebody can change his heart, it's you. I know my kids, 
say they don't want nothing to do with you, but if somebody can do it, it's you. Or maybe you are coming to church as a family. And your prayer can be, Lord, can you keep this? Can you sustain this? Can you prevent us from wrecking this so that as our kids get older and as we get older, the one thing that is consistent about us is that we're together in the house of God? So there's a couple of areas. Fast with expectation. Fast believing that God will see what you do in secret and he will what? Reward you. So how about it, church? You with me? Are we going to put God first? Are we going to go after him and consecrate ourselves through fasting to know him, walk more intimately? I want to call the ushers and uh, we're going to get ready to participate of communion. Being the first Sunday of the month, we uh, participate of communion, but we also thought it was very fitting that as we begin our journey of saying no to certain foods, that we would begin it with the Lord's uh, Supper. And I'm going to invite everybody to participate of it. If you're here, you're welcome to participate of it. It is symbolic of the work of Jesus. But especially if you're fasting, I want you to participate of it with that in mind. And for you to say, Lord, over the next 21 days, you're going to be my bread of life and you're going to be my living water. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.